I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey guys, welcome to a special bonus episode of Soul Sisters. I'm Jesse Katz. I'm Dara Golub. And uh, we wanted to share with you a special conversation that Billboard was um, honored to facilitate between Lauren Haraghi of Fifth Harmony, the dearly departed Fifth Harmony, who just announced they're breaking up. Um, but Lauren is uh, an amazing artist, um, obviously has been very outspoken in her political activism, um, in her personal life, her sexuality. Um, she is a great advocate for women's issues and equality issues. And she actually jumped on the phone with Billboard's Gil Kaufman, who might be the first male voice we've ever heard on this podcast, but props to Gil for facilitating this. He has earned his spot. Um, but Lauren jumped on the phone with Gil and a young woman named Delaney Tarr, who is a survivor of the school shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, uh, where she is a senior. And she's now become one of the students from Parkland who is fighting for gun control legislation and urging young people to turn out the vote this year uh, and try to get that legislation enacted. So Lauren and Delaney um, had a long conversation with each other about what they think their generation can do. Gen Z, I think, is what they're mm. calling them. <laughs> Younger than even you and I, D, which is not, not saying a lot at this no. point. <laughs> um, but I mean, it, it's amazing. You know, we've never seen this kind of, or we haven't seen this kind of activism from such a young generation. A lot of people are saying since the sixties. Yeah. And so, I couldn't. I, I couldn't be uh, at a rally that day because I was traveling. But everything I heard from people who were actually physically there was like the feeling of overpowering. Um, inspiration from like just seeing the the the, the next that generation gen z whatever we're gonna mm -hmm, call it mm -hmm. um stepping up yeah and yeah totally so in solidarity with march for our lives uh soul sisters wanted to share the full conversation audio conversation that they had um an excerpt of this ran in billboard's uh issue but um we wanted to share the full thing so you can hear them speaking with each other it's very inspirational and um will make you want to go out and Make the change you want to see in the world if you aren't already. So, okay, here we go. Lauren Haraghi and Delaney Tarr talking about all the things. <laughs> all the things uh, on Soul Sisters. Here you go. I, I wanted to start out kind of asking you guys, you know, you're both from a generation that has experienced, I, I think anybody would say, more gun violence than any generation before it, you know, from schools and concerts to to churches, um, do you think that's part of what's driving people your age to seek relevant change on these issues? 
Absolutely. Um, Amy, you want to take it? Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll go first, yeah. Um, I absolutely Cool, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, we were born into a generation of mass shootings, and that's a sad reality, but it is the reality of the situation. And we've, we've become somewhat desensitized to all of this. Uh, we see violence everywhere, on Twitter, on the news, in our own lives, and we just kind of get used to it and let it pass by. But since it happened to us, it's hitting a lot closer to home this time, and... Now that we have the ability to speak out and that we're, we have the ability to show people so much more of our experience, I think it's, it's hitting home for a lot of people who, who didn't necessarily know the impact of this before. What about you, Lauren? I mean, what, how do you feel about that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she definitely answered it well. I, I mean, I believe that gun violence has kind of been a, um, a problem of a lot of the things in America since... A while back, probably for humans since the beginning of, you know, the invention of the firearm, really, because it kind of creates this distance between the connection that we have with one another. Because if you can hold up a piece of machinery that can end someone's life in literally a second, like, that that kind of power shouldn't belong to anyone but, you know, a, a, an almighty creator, you know, I mean, for those who... <laughs> so I, I feel like that kind of awareness and what's happening right now is it's hitting even closer to home and it's getting into our schools and, and kids are being affected by it to a degree in America that we have never seen, you know, and that we haven't seen in, the, in actually, yeah, no, that I don't think a lot of people have ever seen this in America. So it's kind of reaching a level of alarm that now, thankfully, like, I think it honestly has a lot to do with the kids and what they're doing and, and the way that they're, they're confronting these things and they're not letting them just slide by. You know, they're holding adults accountable for their corrupt actions. And, and it's so important. It's such an important time in history, for sure. And it's also, um, you know, I, it seems like there's a lot of misunderstandings about the call for gun control. Delaney, do you think that, that you know, since you all have become experts at this pretty quickly, what do you think is misunderstood about the call for for more gun you know gun law more common sense gun laws when when you know people hear that um i've definitely seen that a lot of people seem to misunderstand exactly what it is that we're fighting for um i've seen a lot of people saying that we're just trying to take away the second amendment that we're trying to destroy the constitution which obviously isn't our intention because we 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 understand that the second amendment is something that that exists and people do have a right to bear arms however there needs to be reasonable regulations placed upon that second amendment just as there is on the first and on every other um it's not just something that you can have without regulation without common sense and that's that's all we want we just want common sense gun laws and do you think one of the things that that um struck me is you know, from Me Too to Time's Up and, and now Never Again, we're kind of living through a time when it seems like people speaking up, especially young people uh, speaking up, are finally being heard and, and things are slowly changing. What do you think is different now? I mean, Lauren, do you see something different now that, that you know, young people your age and Delaney's age, uh, you know, by speaking out, they're able to make things change? Why do you think that is? What's What's changed in terms of our society? I kind of, I think I feel like we have, we grew up with the internet, 
so me, I remember when I was younger, the internet didn't really exist when I was in my childhood, you know? Like, yeah. um, we wouldn't come home from school and, like, go on the internet, you know what I mean? Like, that started slowly developing during my during my childhood. And so I feel like I kind of grew up, I had, you know, when Facebook first came out, I had one. When Club Penguin first came out, I had one. We were the first generation exposed to kind of this network connectivity that I don't the human race had never seen before. You know, because um, the internet was a is a completely new concept in terms of human evolution, and what it really did was it connected us in a way that we've never been connected in the history of ever. So, like, I could speak to someone from Japan from my house in Miami, you know, and and so with that comes the spread of ideas, and it comes, you know, multiple people connecting with other people online, forming friendships with people online over similar issues maybe that they don't have with anyone else in their town or or where they're from you know and so you kind of have these communities now of kids who are just communicating with each other all the time and learning about each other and learning about the world through the internet through like tumblr or wherever it was because i remember i i learned a lot about the world through tumblr um i i we read stuff all the time about different facts and different things going on and how to become aware of how your of your behavior and how to check yourself if like you're practicing certain things that are wrong, like um, cultural appropriation and like all of those things. Like a lot of these things that got explained to you on the internet, and um, I don't think there was a source for that kind of explanation before. And um, so I feel like that is a huge pivotal moment in in establishing a sort of sense of, of power in kids because like they have the world at their fingertips on their phones you know and so they feel like they can accomplish things and and it's affecting it's affecting a lot more people now than it used to because you know minorities have been affected by these kinds of you know violences for a long time but we just don't talk about it as much you know so now we're here which I, i'm grateful for i'm grateful that we could get to a place where we could talk about it more extensively and not just for a certain kind of people and what about you, Delaney? I mean, do you do you think that that's that's something that I've heard from some of your peers also that your gen, you know, your generation in particular, y- you understand social media in a way that previous generations didn't, and that that's something that you're able to harness to really get your your message out. I mean, do you do you think that's part of it as well? Absolutely. Um, we I've said before that we we speak the di- the digital language more more so in a way than anyone else ever has. Um, social media is such a powerful tool. Like Lauren said, it connects us. Um, it, it gives us this ability to speak to people that we wouldn't have spoken to before, and it it encourages this mass mobilization of people. I mean, if you look at the Me Too movement and you look at the Never Again movement, these are hashtags that were created. People can tweet them out. People can say their opinions on them. But more importantly, we can reach so many more people. We can give them this direct point of contact where they can feel connected to us, where they can feel connected to the movement, and just feel more involved than they would just seeing things on the news or reading things in the newspaper. It, it makes people feel a lot more vocal. It makes people feel like involved. they have a lot more power. Yeah, more involved. It makes people feel so much more involved than they would have been if they had been detached by this layer of and media, this layer of contact. For sure. It gives the voice sort of like a platform, you know, like like individual voice. Because before, it's like, oh, kids' voices don't really matter because, you know, it's, it's underneath all the adult voices. But in the Internet world, like, we're the ones who run the social medias and we're the ones who are all up on the Internet and know exactly how to 
you know, take that information and use it effectively, which is something so special. And, and Evidently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, clearly. And, 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 you know, especially, I think, you know, in particular, young women's voices are, you know, often... I think you kind of alluded to it a little bit, you know, discounted in this culture or not heard as me- as well. And do you think that the large pla- the large platforms that both of you have are a sign that this is changing? <laughs> Definitely. I think there's a lot of different ways that women are stepping up to the plate in terms of using their voice and understanding the power behind it. So I feel like there's a lot of fear, you know, all, what, what really what we're seeing in the Me Too movement, in the Time's Up movement, Never Again movement, what we're seeing is people coming together to combat corrupt systems that have been in place for way too long. Like, we're just all becoming very aware of these systems and how much they affect each of us individually. And thus, like, we're creating these alliances with one another to combat that, which is so important in the process of, like, evolution as free humanity. You know what I'm saying? Especially in the United States, we have so much of a corrupt history to heal. Um, and there's no way that we're going to ever do that if we don't pay attention to these movements or to the power each of our voices have towards these movements. Because that's, that's essentially what's, gonna, what's really going to make the change is when people understand why these things are happening, you know? And they start to address them in their daily lives. And they see these, ta- these things that we're talking about and they really have to think critically for themselves. Like, how do I feel about this? Is this just about being a Republican or being a Democrat, or is this about whether I'm, I feel safe with my kids going to school, you know? And that's, that's what we have to boil everything down to, like, issues and not bipartisan issues. Issues don't have to do with parties. Issues have to do with human interaction and life, you know? We, we have communities. We have, we have to keep each other safe. And that's, that's essentially what all of these movements are asking for, is protection for the, the victims of things that are rampant in our society, whether we want to talk about them or not, whether it's a gas to speak about them or not, they're happening every single day, you know? What about you, Delaney? I mean, do you think that, that, that these platforms have especially given young women a voice in a way? I mean, I look at your movement and, you know, you have so many strong voices on, on you know, both men and women in your movement, but I, I especially feel like people have gravitated and, and really listened to some of the women uh, from Parkland who have been speaking out and, and really kind of, um, you know, paid attention to them in a way that, that seems like it, it's different than before. Yeah, it's it's really amazing seeing so many people pay attention, not just to the fact that we're teenagers speaking out, but that we're young women speaking out. Um, I've been invited to multiple women's summits, and it's just, it's amazing because you get to be around all these other women who are, they're powerful in a way, and it's, it's uplifting to see, and I think that's, something that a lot of people who do follow me and Emma and others on social media, I think that's something that they appreciate seeing because it makes them feel empowered. I know that when I was following when I was following Lauren on Twitter, I would always feel empowered to see her speak out on social issues because it felt like I could speak out on social issues and like I could take a place in this world where people couldn't silence me. Um, and I honestly feel oh, like... <laughs> I honestly feel like that's just something that people my age, girls my age, girls younger than me, older than me, I think that's something that we all just need to see. We need to see these women being given this platform so that we can feel like we have one as well. And these, you yeah. know, that was right, that was a sweet moment. On it, girl. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, what do you, 
what do you think um, young supporters of gun control and, and fans of music, I mean, what can they do to help end this, this gun violence? I mean, is there something that you could advise them, like an action plan or something you think they could do uh, that, that can help in this, in this, in this fight? There's a lot of different things you can do. Um, definitely getting involved locally with um, whatever kind of, you know, alliances there are to, to, to help combat or to spread awareness about, you know, what, what people who vote can do. Because, you know, some, some of the kids who are really passionate about it are too young to vote, which also sucks. <laughs> but um, they can get their parents involved. They can get their aunts involved. They can get, you know, you can go out to your local community and get a lot more people than you think because you know most people do care they just don't know what to do because they care you know yeah. so mobilizing and really getting like a voice out there is super important and also like divesting like if you look into whatever corporations or whatever congressmen or the senators you know get paid by the NRA or, or supported by the NRA and, and you know have their their hands in their pockets Essentially, like, we should stop supporting those kinds of companies and we should stop supporting those kinds of people because those are the people who are bringing the violence onto, into our communities, essentially, at the end of the day. Because, like, I'm sorry, but just the fact that it's even a concentration to arm teachers is, is ridiculous to me. For me, it's just a, a, a very simple ploy to, to put even more guns into the system, which is the, po- the point at the end of the day, you know? We're turning the conversation away from, you know, sensible control and pointing it towards oh we need everybody armed everybody should be on alert when like it's a proven fact like if you when you buy a gun like your insurance doesn't go down because you're better protected it goes up because there's a possibility that you could harm someone you know and that's that's the reality of what of what safety means when it talk when they're, we're talking about AR-15s you know <laughs> and what about you I yeah mean, we're yeah, definitely yeah. need to learn to communicate better you know yeah yeah, we're definitely seeing a lot of uh, younger people who are like who are calling out politicians and corporations, and that's something that we, of course, we encourage. We want them to have that voice. We want them to have that power. Um, but the best thing that I've always thought that they can do is, of course, educate themselves and vote and hold the people that run our country accountable. Hold the people that are in high places Amen. accountable. <laughs> and that's something that I'm seeing a lot of. Um, and we're, we're trying to do this mass mobilization of young voters because we know there's so many of them that are just now turning 18 or they're in their early 20s. And they, they want to change things. They just don't necessarily know how. And that is really the best thing that you can do. But it's, you have to vote yeah, in an educated way. Yeah, and that's, that's, what, we, that's what I think yeah. where I think people like myself, people like Lauren, come in because we have these platforms where we can educate people, where we can point out issues that they may have not known about before so that they're not just voting blindly, but they're voting based on policy and they're voting based on what they believe in. And, you know, your voices... And have we been... also have Go to ahead. be accepting yeah. of people who, like, are on the other side of the issue, like changing their mind, because that's also an important part, I think, because some people are very, you know... On, on the fence or on you know, the, the other side of this um, issue because they don't understand really the root of it and they don't really understand why it affects them. And so we have to also be like accepting on our side of like people changing the way that they're thinking because of the information that we're giving them. You know what I mean? And being accepting and tolerant of inviting a conversation as to why this is important, you know? Because it's not about like size versus size. It's 
shouldn't be about that. It should be about what's right for our kids, what's right for our future, what's right for us as a community as Americans, you know? Like, just reality and from a, on a human basis instead of a, a party basis, you know? I love that you said that because, you know, it brings up the, the question, what do you say to... Um, I don't know if either of you have people in your families who are, you know, gun owners or who, who shoot mm-hmm. guns, but what do you say to somebody yes, who... Sir. you do? Okay, well, let's talk about it then. I mean, what do you say to somebody who, you know, they say, hey, I have a firearm because I like to shoot guns, I like to go to the range, or I like to go hunting, and, you know, you love that person, they're your cousin, you're their um, uncle, or whatever. What you I've know. learned, what I've... Yeah, what I've learned is that a lot of people own fire guns because they think they're protecting somebody. And they think that it'll help them and aid them in the protection of their family because we live in a fear-based society where we have, you know, gaslighting and, oh, immigrants are bad people and, you know, these people are criminals and this is going on on the streets and look what's happening in your communities. And so you have a lot of fear in a lot of people. And so they feel they need to be protected. And that's really the main point, because that's what the whole Second Amendment tells, you know, is that you, you have the right to protect yourself, which is why they feel so attacked whenever we say, oh, we need, we need to control this, because it's like, no, we shouldn't control something that helps us protect ourselves. So it's kind of understanding that mentality and coming at them from the whole other perspective of just, like, you know, the facts about, like, what happens in Australia, what just happened in the Netherlands, like, they would just had, like, um, some a man with mental illness came to a school with knives, but because you can't own a gun, he was able to be sent off and taught off by some students and backpacks, you know? Yeah. And he couldn't get to any mm-hmm. before he hurt anyone. And the truth of the matter is that there are solutions and there are ways to combat the, the intense violence that we're seeing. We just have to be real with ourselves and look at the fact that the politicians aren't doing anything about it for a very particular reason, which is money. <laughs> so, like, we just got to be real with ourselves about, like, what kind of people we want leading us and what kind of people we want in control of our children's futures, you know? Because I personally don't want to bring a kid into a world where his teacher might have a gun in their hand. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And, and so, Lauren, yeah. it sounds to me like you do have people in your family who, who own guns. I mean, have you confronted them, or do you ever do you have conversations with them about it? I mean, I, I try to have as many conversations as possible because I, I'm a firm believer that uncomfortable conversations are exactly what are going to change the world. The longer that we suppress having conversations that make us feel uncomfortable or that would make the other party angry or would make you angry, the longer that we prolong those conversations, the more we're going to enable and perpetuate negative behavior. You know what I mean? So for me, I just am a firm believer of educating and and giving facts and giving proof and, 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 you know, following that up because People aren't going to change their minds overnight. That's, that's a matter of fact. You know, this has been years of brainwashing that we're trying to dismantle. So, like, it's just a matter of people being open to why they listen. And slowly but surely, they'll make the changes in their own lives that will lead them to a place where they can look at our side and be like, oh, wait, I understand now. You know what I mean? Like, I educated myself about this. So now I understand better, you know? Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and But it's a conversation. Yeah, no, obviously. I mean, I, and, and that's what was, you know, I, I was curious to ask that question because, you know, there are people who I spoke to a producer, he's a well-known producer, Justin Tranter, last week about this. And mm-hmm. Justin said, you know, I have shot a gun. He, uh, he was in a band called Semi-Precious Weapons, and uh, there was a Japanese um, uh, interviewer who thought it would be cute to take them to a gun range. 
because their name was semi-precious weapons and justin's like i've never shot a gun i don't know anything about guns and he said that it was exhilarating but also horrifying like he would never want to shoot a gun again because it was really scary but he understood why some people would want to shoot guns so i you know i think there's you know there's a disconnect there that that is interesting and and that's the thing it's like the power of the trigger finger. Like, it makes you a god for a second. Yeah. It's, and that's such an exhilarating feeling. That's why, you know, so many different things that happen that are bad in society have been perpetuated by that exact feeling of, like, they, you feel like a god for a second. And so you control everything, or you're the most powerful. And then, and then what, you know? You have all the money in the world. Everybody's scared of you. You know, everyone's living in fear and hurting each other. And now what good does that do society? What good does that do humanity, you know? If yeah. you're in control of everything, like, how does that help anybody? Yeah. And how do we help by perpetuating that, you know? And being blind to it and not educating ourselves. I think you guys, I think you guys should run for Congress. And, you know, Delaney, I was going to ask you, I mean, what does it mean, you know, you talk about um, the, the power of, of your voice and, and Lauren's voice, you know, in this in this conversation. What does it mean to you when you see people like, you know, Lauren or Oprah or John Legend or George Clooney and these other stars who've kind of, you know, with massive social media followings out there amplifying your message. I mean, what does that tell you or what does that mean to you that, that you have these people who really have a, a huge social reach or a huge uh, influence reach getting behind you and, and, the, and the movement of the students of Parkland? Well, I definitely never thought that it was going to get as big as it did. Um, I was, it's very surreal to see <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can people that, like, that. you've been following for years and that you know about, and you're like, oh, my God, like, that's a famous person. And then they, like, tweet about it, and they're like, I'm going to march. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is, this is incredible. Because we live in a celebrity culture where people are probably, most of the time, more updated about what Chrissy Teigen is doing this today than they are yes, about girl. what's happening that's on the news. So yeah, and yes. that's, yes. that's, that's our culture. But when the celebrities are the ones that are getting involved and they're using these platforms that they know that they have to speak, about, speak out about things that are affecting everyone, things that everyone should know about, it's so much more powerful than just listening to the news and just, just trying to, to be heard on our own because we have these people with these huge numbers of followers, with these huge platforms with so much financial and social power backing us and it's it's what we need to get to that next step to get to get this this huge amount of awareness that'll keep us from being shut down and keep us from fading it away and and you yeah. know you go ahead Lauren, we can say something no i just i agree so much that's that's one of the main reasons why i'm so passionate about talking as much as i do is because of what she just said like it's super real that celebrity culture influences almost every aspect of society and the way people act and what they choose to like and what they choose to wear and what they choose to, you know, so why not help out what they choose to think and, you know, figure out, like, present the facts for them that they can analyze themselves and think critically about and see what they, what kind of opinion they want to form, you know? It's so important to have dialogue with people when you're that, when people are that invested in what you say and do, you know? For whatever yeah, and I do want to say really something. Yeah. I do want to say that we have a responsibility, especially like celebrities have a responsibility to use to use what they have, to use their followers for, for something. And, and I've had a lot of people approach me, people who are fashion bloggers, fashion designers, 
did the thing. I don't, I want to use my platform, but I want to do it like through my passion. And that's something that can be done. You can use art in so many different strong ways to get across a message. You can use music, you can use fashion. There's so many different things. And that's what we just want to encourage mm-hmm. all of these celebrities to do is to use their skills, their passion in a way that can further something more than that. Are you are you saying, uh, Delaney, that people have offered Art you has like? Art always been like, at the brink of all revolution. Yeah, sorry, Lorna, I cut you off there. What, what were you gonna say, Art? No, I just said I, I agree, and I, and I feel like Art has, has always been at the brink of all revolution. Like every time that you know there was a, an age of enlightenment, and and, that, and we came out of a dark hole, table of emotion as a humanity, like it was always because of Art, like. Are they dealing with their own issues? Or, you know, is I it mean, universal? It's kind of, it's kind of a vague thing to talk about yeah. when you present it that particular way because there are so many different nations and so many different, you know, people and governments and and you know federations and, and parliaments and all kinds of people, you know, and. I meant specifically like about this idea of gun violence. Like, I meant like gun violence. Like, do, do you do, do young people in in the places you visit? Do they talk to you about it? Do they ask you what's going on? Do they wonder why that's like that? I mean, that's that's kind of what I was I was getting more specifically at. I mean, yeah, there's people. Yeah, I mean, there's people all over the world. Again, like I feel like gun violence and guns in general have always affected people all over the world. Uh-huh. You know, like that's that's what has propelled violence and created so many refugees and created so many immigrants, just gun trade, gun this, gun that, starting wars for no reason, you know what I mean, like, it's, it's, it's such a perpetual cycle, so, yeah, it affects a lot of youth around the world, because, you know, there's so many people who grow up on the streets and have watched their parents murdered, or, you know, there's so many different, like, scenarios that have that go on around the world, and some places are way more severe than the United States, but then also some places are much more regulated and much more civilized, to yeah. be real, like, if we're talking about what civilized is really supposed to mean, it, sh- it shouldn't mean that we don't treat each other like barbarians. You know what I mean? We shouldn't treat each other with so much disrespect because of, you know, 
any kind of reason, because they're children, because they're a different color, because they're a different sexual, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Like, that kind of is a universal thing that, that people struggle with, is, is finding a place in society and, and, not, and not feeling kind of engulfed by the systems that are. And, and what perpetuate you, the And what do you see your generation caring about and kind of speaking out about in a way that maybe your parents' generation didn't? I mean, are the things that you feel like your generation is more passionate I mean, about or in a different way? I, I don't, I disagree. I think there have been revolutions, like, started in minimal and, and grandiose ways since the beginning of American history. You know, there's, like, in my parents' generation, you know, in the 60s, the Vietnam War was happening, and, and, and people, you know, the people were out there protesting and making sure that people don't weren't going to war for no reason and destroying a country for no reason. And, like, there's, there's been all kinds of, of revolutions. There's just, you know, to be real, they're never televised or, or captured properly. That's usually what happens. Like, the sensationalized media kind of distorts the conversation and distorts, like, the way that things are written. And that kind of, kind of creates, like, when that happens, I feel like it kind of skews the perception of the story. But that's kind of harder. It's a lot harder to do now because of the Internet. You know what I mean? Because there aren't just a few sources of news, there are multiple sources of news that, get, that are recovering all kinds of truth, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it's like you can't streamline a particular kind of truth. You you have access to a bunch of different kinds of truth, and you can kind of, like, infer and and use your own, you know, tools to kind of figure out what is true to you, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. What, do you, what about you, Delaney? I mean, do, do you think there are things that, that your generation is, is more focused on than maybe your parents' generation wasn't? I mean... Like Lauren said, that there's there's always been these revolutions, and especially on the issue of gun control, we are not the first people to fight for this. There's people who come from the inner cities who have been they've been fighting for this for decades, and that's not something Amen. to minimize. Um, because but the work they've done is incredible, and the work that so many groups have done is incredible. But we're doing it in a way that you that isn't necessarily seen all the time. In a way that's it's much more modern. It's made capable through social media through young people being given a platform and being given a voice and that is probably what makes our movement the most different is that we we are the young people we are the direct victims that are they're speaking out and we're coming across as a united force and we're uniting students all across the country but issues like this issues that people in our generation have been speaking out on have been spoken out on time and time again it's just a matter of when it time starts to eventually work and then the timing is right yeah. that's when that's when you see the changes being made and one of the things I wanted to ask you about, Delaney, was, you know, I, I thought it was incredible that the Florida legislature did just pass legislation this week, you know, three three weeks after uh, mm-hmm. the shooting at your school. You know, they, they put in the three-day waiting period and, and the ban on guns uh, being sold to anyone over 21, under 21, um, but it also mm-hmm. puts an emphasis on arming teachers. I mean, are you amazed that something happened so quickly? I mean... I'm happy that something happened so quickly. That, that that was our goal because we knew that this wasn't something that people could take months and months pouring over waiting for something to happen because obviously this is an issue that's already been affecting people. Like after our shooting, there's already been so many other incidents of gun violence in our country that obviously this is something that needs to be fixed quickly. And seeing that turnaround, it was nice. It was, it was good to see the baby steps being taken. But they are that. They are baby steps. These are not the monumental steps that that many seem to be treating it like it is. And yes, we're satisfied. We're not we're not satisfied, but we are happy to see progress being made, and we're we're pleased with it. 
However, we have to keep working and we have to keep fighting because the moment that we become complacent is the moment the conversation ends. And we know that the bill doesn't have everything that we mm-hmm. want. And obviously, we don't want arming teachers, but we have to make that compromise and we're going to continue making that compromise because we know that the other steps that are being taken are the ones that can ensure people's safety all across our state and hopefully once some federal laws get passed all across our country. And, and you know, we mentioned arming teachers. I'm really curious to hear... Uh, what you both think about that? I mean, I, my wife's a teacher. Her mom's a teacher. Uh, my kids are in school. You know, my so mom's it's like, a teacher. <laughs> it, yeah, your mom's a teacher, Lauren. Uh, the so, thought of my mom with a gun is like the craziest thing you've ever done. As, a, as it like now, let me ask you this: as a daughter, or as like a teenage, you know, as like a like a young person, or just as your mom? <laughs> just as my mom. My yeah. mom is my mom is a super like benevolent person. Like she would never pick up a gun. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Even in the in the in the state of emergency, like I mean, she would do what she'd have to do, just like everyone would, yeah. because you know we're all humans and we go based off of survival instincts. But like I know for a fact that her choice did not be to be armed. Like she didn't get into the profession of of teaching children and teaching and teaching a generation of, of people educating to have to be trained how to do this. Like like if we're gonna be really real, like. If we can't even train cops right, and we have the amount of of civilian shootings that we do on a daily basis, what makes anybody think that teachers could be trained properly when that's not even the profession they think they're getting into? Yeah. What what kind of teacher is your mom? What kind of responsibility is that to put on somebody? Yeah. Yeah. What kind of teacher is your mom? I mean, she's a a high school math teacher. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's it's funny because you did did say that, like, why are they're not expecting to go into the profession of carrying a gun because they're teachers they're not supposed to be trained police officers they're they're teachers their job is to educate and it's so clearly not a viable solution i've had so many so many moments where i've just gone oh yeah there's another flaw in the solution of arming teachers because there's so many that it's almost laughable to even consider the fact that we are putting more weapons into circulation which very clearly seems to me like just money for the nra just putting more I think it's, it's about money. 700,000 more guns into circulation. I believe that was what the what the statistic said, and that's literally it's it's a it's a selling uh, point. It's not even a, an issue of keeping people safe because when you put a weapon into the hands of a human, there's going to be flaws in that human. They may shoot. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because they're afraid. They may snap one day. They may miss and shoot somebody else. 
somebody might think they're the shooter. And I think the only thing that I really need to say about this is the fact that my senator, Marco Rubio, <laughs> Marco Rubio himself, who mm-hmm. is an April grading to me, uh-huh. NRA, literally said that it is not a viable solution. If even NRA-funded members, and I spoke to many others when I went to D.C., don't support it, why on earth should we support it? Yeah, no, I, I, I've heard that a lot. Amen, and, girl. <laughs> and and I mean, are there other? And I know Lauren. I know just from following your your social media that there are. But I mean, are there other social or political issues that are important to both of you that that are beyond this this conversation about guns and gun safety? Um, are are there things that you really are at you know passionate about? Um, I'm really passionate about a lot of things. I'm definitely <laughs> passionate about undocumented youth. Undocumented yeah. people in general, um, the concept of undocumented and what that even means, and why we make people illegal—that whole complexity is, is something I'm super passionate about. I'm really passionate about women and children, like women who have been abused, uh, domestic violence, and like psychological trauma. I just—I feel like there's so many. I'm also really interested in the prison industrial complex because that is a huge problem in the United States of America, and needs to be addressed like very soon, but probably won't be because there's always so many other problems going on. Why do you think that, <laughs> like, like, why do you think, Lauren, that, that you have so many, why do you think that you're so interested in, in, in those kinds of heady topics? Like, what, what from your background do you think made you I mean, so interested? I don't, I really don't, it's funny that you ask me that because I'm more interested in why nobody else seems to be interested in, like, <laughs> the corrupt world that we're allowing ourselves to live in. Like, yeah. that to me is, is what's fascinating because it's like there's so much going on that we just let happen so we can live these comfortable pretend lives where we're not even happy because we're not even doing something we love. We're working for corporations that make money off of our backs and could replace us within a second. You know, and it's like we feed into these systems and we feed into these these atrocities, like, that are being committed every single day under everybody's noses. And, like, we know they're there and we talk about them, but nothing is done about them. And that is, like, appalling to me. I mean, I don't know why, but I just have, I don't know if it's, like, God gave me a little too much empathy or, like, I don't know what it is, but I just <laughs> want to just give as much of it to everyone else around me because, like, I just, I want people to care and know that they have the power to care and know that they have the power to change things if they really, truly want to. I want to, like, evade the world of indifference because that's just what it's what put us into this predicament, you know? Yeah. But it wasn't like a teacher yeah, or... exactly or, what we need. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a teacher or, like, somebody who yeah. inspired you, but, like, that's just, it's just who you are, it sounds like. I mean, I've been inspired by, like, a lot of different people in my life. Like, there's just so many beautiful, like, souls that I've, I've come into contact with that have shaped me into the person I am. Like, and and then a lot of it is who I am. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just, like, my heart and who I've always been since I was little. And, like, I've just always been curious. Like, I wanted to study anthropology and, um, and music. <laughs> like, like, I always was interested in art and expressing myself through art and, and, and humans and human behavior and why they do things. Because it was just always so weird to me. Like, I don't understand why everybody's so unhappy willingly. Like, when, I mean, I don't know if it's just because I speak from, well, the thing is that I felt this way before I even was given the gift that I was of, of, of having this platform, you know. But, like, it's just, you 
can create whatever reality you want for yourself. It's just about what you limit yourself to do. Yeah. And what, yeah. And what about you, Delaney? I mean, are there things before this happened, were there things that you were passionate about or causes that you really supported? Oh, I'm a very passionate person. <laughs> um, and that's, that's definitely something that came into my <laughs> um, I I love politics and social issues, and I care so very much about all of it. And, of course, a lot of it, it does affect me. But I also, like Lauren said, empathy is important here because it doesn't necessarily have to have affected you directly to, to, to understand and to care about it because you should have empathy for every situation because that's, that's really important and that's what's going to further change in our world. But, I mean, me, passionate about issues, all of them, um, <laughs> of course, I care so much about immigration. I have many relatives that are immigrants and some may or may not be undocumented. I don't even know because we don't talk about it because we're so afraid to. Yeah. Um, I know that there's, I have relatives in Cuba who can't necessarily come over and it's hard for them and it's hard for all immigrants to come over. Um, I know I care so much about LGBT issues. I care so much about, like Lauren said, the prison reform. I, I mean, it's absolutely insane. I mean, you watch documentaries like the 13th and then you're like, oh my God, what is going on here? Oh my uh, God. That one fucked me up. Yes. Um, but oh my I mean, I've spent also, all of my time. The untold history of the United States is so good. Which one? Okay, there we go. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you're fine. Go ahead. <laughs> but like, I think a lot of it has been myself being educated, not not only through school, not only through books and movies, but through social media, because. Like, Twitter news is a thing, and it's not always yep. reliable, but you're seeing so many other viewpoints and so many other stories being told that you wouldn't necessarily see normally. You can see dreamers speaking True. up for themselves on social media, um, and that's definitely, it spurred me to action a lot, because when I see these things happening, and it feels so much more direct because it's on social media, then I'm like, wow, I really do care. Like, I have to do something about this. Um, so, yeah. Passionate. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. And, and it's interesting to hear both of you talk about it. I mean, I think what a lot of people, a lot of older people maybe misunderstand, you know, about your generation is that, uh, you know, they're not this passionate or they're not this, this uh, interested in issues. I mean, what do you, what do you think maybe uh, the older generation uh, misunderstand about what your interests are or specifically even as young women, like what your interests are? Like, do you think they're, they're misunderstanding your 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 passions for these kinds of issues? <laughs> they I don't know understand. It's a misunderstanding. Yeah. It's funny because, like, I think we're going to get to this perspective. For me, like, it's not even that they don't understand. I think they do deep down understand exactly what we're talking about. I think it's been years and years and years of, of regulated, right, like, normalized behavior. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's been years of, of people just accepting that this is the way things are, and so they think that there's no way to change it, and they think we're crazy for like, trying, because obviously they all tried when they were younger, too, or they thought they would, you know, but they just didn't. Yeah. And, and those kinds of things, like, I, 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 I see it so often when I have conversations with older people. It's like, oh, like, you just you have this revolutionary mind. Like, you're so idealistic. You're so utopian. Like, you think utopian. You think... But you know what I mean? Like, all of, all of the, like, negative ways you can put down a liberal, you know? Like, <laughs> but I think about it, and I'm like, I don't think it's wrong to be a liberal. I don't think it's wrong for me to want 
everyone to be free. Like, we're all little organisms floating on a gas ball in the middle of space. Like, why are we making it so hard for each other to just be alive and feel and, and run around in our beauty? Like, we're destroying our own environment while hurting each other and creating these cycles of abuse that, like, don't help anybody. So why are we doing that? <laughs> you know? It's just mind-boggling. Yeah. Well, I think it's we don't talk about things, you know? <laughs> like, our, our parents' generation didn't talk about shit. They, they were from, like, war parents who dealt with all the wars that they had to, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you, Delaney? I mean, how, how do you feel about that? I mean, that was definitely, like, a hard little speech to follow. <laughs> but, <Yeah. laughs> but, um, I'm so glad that we got you two together. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I, mean I, do, I do think that they, it's not, it isn't a matter of understanding as much as it is they don't listen to us because... I mean, I'm 17. They they dismiss me just because I'm 17. Yeah. That's that's something that so many adults have done. They'll tell me, um, go eat a Tide Pod because I've gotten that so really? very many times. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're like, how are you expected to change the world when you were just eating Tide Pods a week ago? Which I wasn't. But you know, that's that's oh the type God. of thing we're getting. It's like <laughs> it's. Uh. it's so well, that's well, that you know, that's interesting, the lady, that you say that because I mean, one of the things that that I was curious about, and I was gonna, you know, maybe ask Lauren to talk uh, a little bit about because she's probably experienced it too. Is, you know, there's this whole um, there's this whole weird underground of people who are like, oh, these kids are they're actors or they're oh, yeah. you know like all that whole you know the trolling that happens. I mean, Lauren, I'm oh, sure yeah. you've been trolled. Um, more than once on the internet. I mean, do you do you have any advice for Delaney on yes. how to deal with trolls or like what your experience has been? Yes. Oh my God, girl. Okay, let me give you this. <laughs> so, these people are miserable and they're sitting in their basement of their mother's houses. Um, and 99% of the time, they're really old and they have no purpose being online. Especially the ones that are trolling you guys because it's about political issues. And most of the time, people who think that they're the only knowledgeable ones about political issues or capable mm-hmm. of grasping these concepts are older white men. Um, no offense. Careful. Oh, but he's right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. you have this kind of particular perspective, and you have this um, entitlement sort of to information when you're coming from that perspective, you have this tendency to want to put down anything that stands in, in the way of your, your perception. You know what I mean? So if a, if a young girl, like who's 17 years old, is trying to speak on something that you think you're fluently eloquent in as a, as a topic with politics, you know, it, it, you're going to feel degraded by her, her sense of quote-unquote entitlement that you have. Does that make sense? So oh, absolutely. your first instinct is to put her down for her age and her gender and her capacity to understand things, which which is so funny because I've, I've struggled with this since I was, like, 10 years old, like, to give it a nice number. Like, I've always been such an old school and thought so, like, ahead. And I feel like a lot mm-hmm. of kids actually do this, and a lot of people in general do this. I feel like a lot of, a lot of humans are born old school, you know? And they're just smart. Yeah. They just know shit. They know how to view the world. They, they understand signals. They understand the way things go, you know, especially if they're guided properly. So I feel like there's a lot of us out there um, who kind of have to deal with the fact. Because I'm 21, and I've been being outspoken since I was 16. I started this whole thing when I was 16. 
So that's mm-hmm. like a very adolescent age where people are looking at you, especially for me in the industry I was in, and they're like, oh, she's a kid. She doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. She's a kid. She doesn't know what she's talking about. She can't write her own music. She doesn't have any experiences. You know, which is like hilarious in retrospect because it's like, no, dude, I'm super aware and very capable of thinking for myself and, and analyzing the world around me. And I think when we discredit so many kids, that's, that's the reason why a lot of revolutions haven't been able to happen is because the kids don't feel powerful enough. With this internet age, is everybody feeling so powerful? And like people like Beyonce have people feeling so powerful. People like Kendrick have people feeling so powerful. You know, we have mm-hmm. honest and raw artists coming out and saying things and, and then really empowering kids and, and women and, and people all over the world. So I think that it's a huge step to the progression for sure. But, but like, pay the haters, like, as much mind as you would a stranger. You know what I mean? Like, if a stranger oh, came yeah. up to you and started yelling at you and pointing a finger at you, it's like, you don't even know me. Like, it's the same thing. <laughs> it's just around the internet. <laughs> I like pay the haters yeah. as much mind as you would a stranger. I need, I need that on a T-shirt. That's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I learned. <laughs> I mean, who were you know? So you talked about. Well, let's let's talk about that, Lauren and, and Delaney too. I mean, you talked about Kendrick and you talked about Beyonce and kind of them, you know, giving people this voice to power. I mean, who are some of the people, you know, famous or otherwise in your life who inspire you? Like Delaney, you know, are there people who who you look to who for inspiration? I mean. There are, of course, celebrities that I look to for inspiration. I mean, that's just the way that it is. Yeah. I, there's so many actors that I love. I mean, Ava DuVernay is she's incredible. Greta Gerwig is incredible. I'm a film. I'm a film. I geek. love. I can't her. help. <laughs> I can't help it. I like oh, love seeing God. these incredible directors. Jordan Peele. Like these. These are modern directors that are doing incredible things, and they're paving the way for. Incredible. Um, but I would definitely say that my biggest, like my biggest heroes, my biggest inspiration are the people that I see in my daily life because these are the ones that have had the biggest impact on me. I know that my, my teachers are the ones who, who have encouraged me to have this, this way of thinking that isn't necessarily what many others would want, what many others in their age group would want me to have. Um, they encourage me to think freely, to be open-minded, um, and to speak my voice. And that's, that's, that's incredible. And I mean, right now, my biggest heroes are the students that I'm seeing my age that are doing so much because they are the ones that are organizing marches in their communities. They're the ones that are starting clubs that are becoming these young activists. And they're absolutely my heroes because, because these are the young people that I know are going to be our future, our future leaders and our future change makers and our current awesome. change makers. Yeah, that's awesome. Amen. I'm with you 1,000%. <laughs> and and I know I, I, the people I've met are the people who, who yeah. lead these marches, who organize these marches, the people who are behind the scenes. My best friend Brittany is one of my biggest inspirations ever. Her name is Brittany Hewitt. Um, we've been best friends since I was 11 when we went to the same school, and she's working a lot like in um, activism in California and Los Angeles. She works mm-hmm. in like all kinds of realms of feminism and all kinds of realms of like undocumented people and and you know really women's rights. In, in a lot of regards, and she's just such a badass. Like, <laughs> she's so incredible. And she's introduced me to so many beautiful, like, artists and activists. Like, people are really doing grassroots work um, in California, in Los Angeles, um, in Miami, in, you know, where I'm from, in New York, in Paris. She's been all over the world. Like, she's such a special human in my life and definitely has been, like, a huge striving force and like, because we, we just, like, help each other our whole lives just, like, become who we are now, you know? That's awesome. we're both always so passionate about 
all of these things. So we were both queer, and we were both, you know what I mean? So it's like, especially growing up where we did in, like, a Catholic private school, all-girl environment, it's, it's hard It's hard to be, like, completely yourself, you know, when there's so many rules about who you're supposed to be. And, and you know, Lauren, I was going to ask you one of the things, because we're, we're getting, we're going to run out of time here a little bit, so I want to make sure I hit the last couple of things, but... You know, only a handful of artists have really spoken out strongly on this issue in the in the wake of the Parkland shooting, and I and I was curious why it was important for you to add your voice um, to to you know to the people who were speaking out, and are you surprised more people haven't? Well, I'm not really surprised because I understand that a lot of people um, who do art work, like when it comes down to like you know, people in music and people, um, a lot of people think with their brand first and they think of, like, who their audience is and, like, what kind of way that that's going to affect them. So, like, I understand that in that regard, like, to that extent. But for me, like, first of all, Florida is my home state. So I was personally affected in probably a greater way than, than, I mean, obviously every single time something like this happens, I'm super affected by it. But there's something about when it happens at home, that kind of hits a whole other nerve, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't, like, I just, I've always been so passionate about the fact that, like, education is the most important thing on the planet. Like, access to education and access to a safe education is so important. And so when I was, I just noticed the way that the conversation was building around this, this case, and the, I, I saw Emma's um, speech, which really motivated me a lot, like, brought me to tears because I was so impassioned by the fact that these kids are so motivated, you know, and, like, really know what, what they're talking about and have their facts together and, and are willing to call out and hold these, these adults accountable. Like, that's such a beautiful thing that's happening right now. So I just, I felt compelled to, to be part of that. I don't know. I always feel compelled to be part of the stories about what's shaping this nation because, you know, I come from... My grandparents were immigrants, Cuban immigrants, and then my mom was also born in Cuba, and then she came over when she was, like, two years old. But, you know, when you're raised by immigrants in a, in a new country, it just it, 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 it forms you in a specific kind of way, you know? Yeah. And so I've always been passionate about the injustices that go on just towards all kinds of people because we all have different stories, but not any one of them is more important or less important than the other, you know, especially not because of skin color or origin or your, you know, everyone has just a particular story and migration has been a thing since the beginning of time and, and, you know, battles and aggression has also been a thing since the beginning of time, but if we never like talk about why these things happen or how they get resolved, then we're going to just keep perpetuating this violence. And you, so you were never worried that, that, that in speaking out so passionately, harmonizers might react or get angry or, you know, would abandon you? I mean, see, devil's advocate here, I kind of like when people react. I like when people get angry because then it makes them confront why they're getting angry. Like, if you're, if you're questioning, like, if you, really, if you really be talking about not wanting guns around children and you get angry... Like, what kind of person are you, you know? Yeah. Like, and I'm making you confront that. So for me, I'm doing my job as, like, my mission on this earth, you know what I mean? Like, everybody feels like their mission's different. Everybody feels like their purpose is different. Or some people don't even have their purpose, you know? Some people live their whole lives not knowing what the hell their purpose is, which is also super sad existence. So, like, for me, I just, I know, 
I know what my voice can do, so there's no question in my mind about what I'm supposed to do with it, you know? So I'm always compelled no matter what. Like, and I get shit from everybody, you know? I get shit from my family sometimes. I get shit from from just people in general, you know? Like, there's, everyone's going to have an opinion on who you are. Everyone's going to have an opinion on the way you express yourself. But for me, like, I know that my gift is, is, to, is to articulate things and to connect them to other things. So <laughs> I feel just compelled. I like it. I like it. And then how do you, you know, what do you think, uh, I was going to ask you, Delaney, since, you know, you're obviously day-to-day thinking about this, like, it seems like there's been this pivot to talking about violent video games and movies and Uh, from some politicians and not even mentioning guns. Does that frustrate you or, or, you know, how do you feel about that? I mean, yeah, it's frustrating because I'm seeing a lot of scapegoats being used by, by people who don't support our movement. You good, Lauren? <laughs> She's not um, supposed to talk this much on show days. <laughs> um, but but the the whole violent video games and violent movies things, it's the same as the issue with mental health because yeah, okay, you can treat them like issues, but they're in other countries too, and other countries do not have the gun violence problem that we have, and. You have to look at all of these shootings, and you have to look all across the country. The only commonality between these shootings has been the fact that there has been access to a weapon, specifically the AR-15, repeatedly. Yeah. So when you say something like that, when you blame it on violent video games, you're just detracting from a much larger issue here that needs to be addressed. Because you, because there's so many people that I know that play violent video games, and they're not shooters. They're not mass shooters. That like you can't blame something like that on an issue so small and on an issue so irrelevant. I agree. I agree one thousand percent that um, it's it's a ploy to detract the conversation to you know to kind of derail the conversation from guns and having to be controlled because essentially that has an effect on their sales. You know what I mean? If they can't sell as freely, then they can't get as many dollars rounded up. You know. So that's obviously a ploy for that. But I do, I am going to say that my senses just come up. Like, I really do feel like psychologically games like that kind of fuck people up a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, like, I think it, it's kind of like you're so desensitized. But also, like, what are they emulating in these games? They're emulating, like, special ops. They're emulating, like, military simulations and like all these kinds of things which is just like or or like theft and and crime and so like you create like a psychological world you know in in that regard and some kids you know some kids might not be affected by it but definitely some children are like you have to understand how receptive a child is especially in adolescence you have like a a four-year-old playing those games like that's a lot it's a lot coming at them and what they think the reality is you know yeah no for sure i mean i I, that is true to an extent, but it's definitely not the core reason why a, why a mass shooter is coming through. Because, like, at the end of the day, like, let's be real also, like, wasn't it very, very clear that this man's allegiance was linked to Trump and his, and his hatred and his bigotry and his speech and the way that he presents himself and the things that he says about other people? Like, it was very clearly linked to that kind of rhetoric, and so or that alt-right rhetoric that um, Nazi white supremacist vibe, you know what I mean? And and when we're talking about, like, the truth behind that, like, that's, that's the kind of stuff that propels these things. Talking freely about hurting other people is what propels these things if you're a president, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if you're mm-hmm. a person who's a leader and you exemplify violence and you exemplify hatred and you exemplify bigotry, your audience 
who, especially those who support you blindly, are going to be perpetuated by your example. That's just the way things go, you know? Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask, one of the last things I was going to ask you guys is, you know, do you think that the president has inspired calls for change or, or, or has he made it harder to create change? No. <laughs> no, he really hasn't. <laughs> he has not inspired he mention, calls. He didn't even mention gun policy. <laughs> the most I saw from him was uh, that, that the meeting that he had with other legislators in which he said that it's okay to sometimes fight the NRA, and he, he said that he supported many things. But then, of course, he immediately went back on that and decided to use violent video games and mental health as his scapegoat. Um, and that's honestly, I think that's something that we expected because we know that that the current administration is going to be very hard to deal with on an issue like this because so many of them are receiving so much money from the NRA, and that's what we're, you know, coming yeah, for. I mean, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but, but like, we, we expected this. We know that he's not going to necessarily inspire anything because this is a people's movement. This is not a politician's movement. This is not led by them, and they're not really going to do much. This is uh, it's up to us to make these differences and to vote them out. <laughs> vote those out who refuse yeah. to At the end of the day, compromise. The main, yeah, the, the main reason why these things are happening, you know, like, there's three different parts to the government. You know, you have the judiciary, you have, like, the, the judges in the courts, and you have the Supreme Court, and then you, like, you have the Supreme Court, then you have the House, and then you have the President. So you have, like, three different people who have to kind of counterbalance each other in when things get done. And if you have three sections of the government and branches who are all Republican and who all have these kind of quote-unquote conservative views, which essentially, like, when we're really talking about what conservatives believed in the beginning, like, if you really read the Constitution, it's supposed to, it talks about, like, equality for everybody, like, all of the human beings. And, and, and that's not exercise. So, like, there's so many different contradic- contradictions throughout it. And the way that we enact it, that, like, there's no way that there could be a loophole here to this particular amendment. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can talk about mental illness, and yes, mental illness is rampant in the United States because people are completely depressed and completely, like, disconnected from their purpose in life because they're trained to be, you know, factory workers, basically, you know, and, and to work mm-hmm. for something that's, that's, that's not, that doesn't call it a tool. So essentially, yes, we do have mental mental illness issues. And we do have people who are who are just like again, all of these cycles of abuse are just so rampant in our society and we just don't address them. Like we don't talk about them. And then all of these things that we're talking about now, again, the Me Too movement, the Never Again movement especially, these are all side effects of these lack of com- of this lack of conversation. They're all side effects. Like how are we even in a place where someone who's like I watched this video of this kid who was sixteen or thirteen and he, he tried to buy cigarettes, and they turned him down. He tried to buy a lot of tickets. They turned him down. He walked into a gun show. He bought a, a machine gun within the first, like, five minutes of being in there, you know? And, yeah. and no background check, no nothing. So the truth of the matter is, like, there is a problem. And it's very clear what the problem is. The, like, now it's just a matter of whether these politicians are going to hold themselves accountable or whether they're going to just continue to propel this lie that everyone is so aware of at this point. It's just, like, embarrassing. It's embarrassing to watch, like, people who call themselves leaders kind of cower and not do anything for the sake of money. It's really embarrassing. And, and Lauren, I was going to ask you, I mean, do you are you going to 
March on the 24th? Do you have a, a march that you're going to attend? Yes, I am. Um, I think I'm going to D.C. <gasps> See you there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, there you go. Uh, you heard yeah, it here yeah. first. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yes. Yes. And, you know, Del- I mean, what do you think, Delaney, what does it look like for you? What does the march look like for you in your head? I mean, I, I suspect you're a person who's marched before. Um, <laughs> I get that vibe from you. Um, you know, what do you, what do you see when you picture this in your head? I mean, I've been trying to visualize it, but it's, it's honestly hard. Because, like, it, even to visualize yourself, like, in the crowd, but, like, being at the forefront of it is totally different. Because then I have to think about, like, yep, and, like, like actually being up there and, like, people, like, watching me being, like, hey, like, what are you going to do now? Which, it's intimidating, but it's a good kind of intimidating. And yep. I, I, Tell I me mean, about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. You know more than I do. But I think the, the entire... <laughs> All of the days, all, all of that day is just going to be about uniting with students and coming together. And I just, I see a lot of hopeful, hopefully amazing moments between myself and other people where we just get to be together and we get to fight for something that we all care about. Everyone in the nation, there's, they, they care about it to some degree. And that's, that's all I'm hoping for is that, to be honest. That's cool. And is there anybody specific that, that either one of you would like to see run for president? In 2020. <laughs> I, thank you for adding in 2020 because I probably would have been like me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Eventually, it's fine. Um, <laughs> specifically, I'm not going to lay my claim to any um, candidate yet because I don't want to seem too partisan. Yeah. However, I I do think that there will be some people running for president that will that they're going to to gain some. Some real traction. And then, <laughs> go ahead. What were you going to say? I also wanted to be clear that we can do something about this before even 2020, yeah. because the president can only do so much. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, mm-hmm. we have the Senate to also worry about. And in in Florida, particularly, I, I've called him out before. I'll call him out every day until the end of it, until he has a real competition without you know pettiness. But Marco Rubio and his policies mm-hmm. and the way that he exercises things is just it's just kind of ridiculous. He doesn't listen to his people at all. And so we have to kind of hold leaders like him accountable, and we have to kick them out of their positions, because, which is intermodal, which happens before 2020. Right. So we have to all be aware of that and aware that there are other elections that we can be a part of and that our voice matters at every single one of those elections. Absolutely. That's something that we've been stressing, too, is voting in every election, not just the presidential, because, of course, that has the highest turnout. But exactly. um, the best way to catch... That's the best way to catch corruption. That's the chat. Yeah. Yeah, and the best way to catch corruption is to That's the chat. Thinking that you only have control over that. Sorry, sorry. We have control over so much. And if we can can vote out those who are corrupt on a local level or even on a state level, it's a lot easier than voting someone else on a national level. It's a lot easier to vote out maybe Mm -hmm. a mayor who's corrupt than it is to vote out a senator or the president. Yep. it's definitely important to vote as much as possible. It's very important. All right, cool. Well, that I like that, and and we're believe it or not, we've gone an hour. So I have one last. I promised you there was one like kind of silly question that was not my question. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do it, but because it's okay. Billboard, I have to ask. You know, what songs or artists are you guys kind of most into now? Are there any songs or, or artists that really inspire you when you're, you know, getting kind of in your head to 
going on, you know, on the stage at a concert or at a rally? Like, what, what do you listen to? Um, actually, um, there is all kinds of. Go ahead, Mama. Oh, okay. Um, there's actually like because like I was like looking at songs to think what would be a good march song, a good parade song, um, and uh, Welcome to the Black Parade, <coughs> which isn't even like a song that I normally listen to. I think that that's definitely like a good song for the march and just like to like inspire me and get me riled up. But besides that, I mean, I listen to so many different artists. I listen to Gambino, to Kanye. To Vampire Weekend, Alt J, The Beatles, of course. Um, but, but absolutely. Yes, girl. Like, oh my God! Like, those... <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> but of course, there's like those specific songs. Like Lauren, if you have any suggestions, let me know because like I want to have some of that music just like yes. to, to empower. Can I? I'll, I'll, can I put it? I'll put together a playlist. I need your number though. Please. Okay. We'll hook you guys okay, up. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I love that you said Black Parade. That's one of my favorite songs. <laughs> I love that's one of my favorite my my Kickle Romance songs. Like I just that's mm-hmm. such a cool song. Uh, and it's not even really a parade song. You're right. What's the song? Uh, it's my Chemical Welcome Romance. Black Parade. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it talks about like like Going I don't know it's just the lyrics. Yeah. I, mean, I know this song. Yeah, the lyrics mean a lot. Yeah. And it's just like it's nice to listen to yeah, because it's like movie. It's like you know they're like young people and like the disenfranchised youth and stuff and like that's yeah what we are <laughs> right what about you lauren so so tell us yes. what, what might be on your playlist like what might be on your playlist that you're going to send to delaney <laughs> for the for the march particularly um I'll, uh, like just in general or in, okay in general i'm listening to a lot i love shizza i think uh, she's so honest and authentic i yeah. just love her her lyricism yeah. and she's dope mm-hmm. um i love her atr yeah Literally incredible. I love I love like kind of like soft. Like I love the internet. I love hiatus coyote. Kind of um, alternative music. Like she mentioned all day. Like all the people she mentioned also. I love Kendrick Lamar. I just mm. to me like John Mayer. Just people who have this kind of lyricism and this ability to to tell their inner stories and connect with you even in their own way. You know what I mean? Because that's my favorite part about music is like when I turn a song on and I listen to it, and either the beat or the or the lyrics like make me just feel who that person is, you know, like genuinely, not like who they're trying to be, but like who they really are, you know. Cool. What about for like a parade? <laughs> or a march? I have parade is not the right word. I don't know why we keep saying parade. Parade is not the right word. Like for like a <laughs> it's getting pumped up for like the women's march or for the march for our lives, like. For the March by Lives. Okay, we could do Revolution by the Beatles. Oh, we love that song. Do, um, right? Good song. And then I would love for hmm, maybe like a Kendrick song. I don't know which one, though. I'd have to like really, have that really sit playlist. down with myself. Like, which one? We gotta have a March playlist. Like that's important. Yeah, no, I think you guys are gonna have to do this. And and I know, yeah. No, I'm gonna think about this, and I'm gonna text you. You guys figure it out. Yeah, we'll get you. We'll get you hooked up. And then, so the last thing I'm gonna say is, any. Do you guys have any last thoughts that you want to share with each other, or that you want to share with with people about you know this this March and and this movement? Um. Yeah. Uh, Uh. I want every single person out there to know that they have more power than they think they do. Um, 
this is this is a people's movement. This is about empowering yourself and empowering those around you. And that's something that every single person can do in their day-to-day lives. You don't necessarily have to be a person with 100,000 or a million followers. You just need to be you and you need to do what what can help you make a change in your life. 1,000%. And I also want to say, like, Trish Delaney, and to all of the the kids who have put this whole thing together, um, like, thank you for being so passionate and being so strong and being so motivated and taking on something so scary um, out of the blue and out of nowhere. Your lives just, like, changed in a flash of a second. And it's so inspiring to see the way that you guys go, took that. And, you know, yeah. you kind of like a knight. You know what I mean? Like, you kind of took an oath that you didn't even ask for because mm-hmm. of your heart. And I think it's so beautiful to watch and so inspiring to watch. And it really ignited a flame in so many people. So for that flame, for anybody who felt that flame and watched those speeches or has listened to these kids and, and, and you know, really heard what's going on and, and are affected by it in their hearts, I, just, I encourage you to be motivated to do something about it, to say something, to be active, to be proactive, to get involved in whatever way you can, um, and just to, to be that light that you wish to see in the world. Like, it's so important to actively be that in order for that to be what happens. So thank you so much for this conversation. I'm so excited to have been a part of it. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.